and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 71. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hey there. Today we'll be discussing the fifth episode of season four, Promises. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Promises. We finally reunite with Pilot, Moya, Aaron, and surprise guest Scorpius. Aaron is suffering from heat delirium as a result of something she did while off Moya. As the crew struggles with the idea of trusting Scorpius, a dangerous new villain appears in front of Moya, and everyone must deal with the villain, Aaron's past, and Braca's Leviathan-seeking missile. This episode is all about the reunions and promises and deceptions. So Aaron has returned, but she's got the living death and won't reveal what she's been up to in her absence. We have Scorpius, who's found them, but he was saving Aaron, and now he wants to protect John, and they don't know what to do with that. And then you have this driving plot with the arrival of the Tacothian ship. This ship can take on the identity of other ships. That's revealed at the end, but spoilers, that's another thing that's going to happen It's this with this theme of deception that's going on. And of course, under all that, we have finally this reunion of Aaron and John and all their secrets remaining between them. So it's very tense between the two of them as we proceed with promises. Yeah, this was a rough episode for me for some reason. I think I, I spent so much of it like actually kind of an angry at Aaron. I was going to say annoyed, but it's not even annoyed. It's I think that because we've had five episodes of John's perspective of John kind of like really psyching himself up. And then we have this moment when John and Aaron meet again for the first time. And you can see how grateful she is to see him. You can see how much she missed him and needs him. And then it's kind of capped off by her refusing to say anything about what she's been doing. And that mm-hmm. was just kind of felt like for John, who honesty and communication are kind of the bedrocks of relationships and kind of the way that he expresses love and the way that he understands love. It just felt really sad. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I feel like it was also very in character for Aaron to still be holding some part of her back. She's been off and done this stuff while she's been away from Moya. She comes back basically injured hurt she's got the heat delirium from this uh induced living death that's been happened to her on her last mission and she see her at this really low point where she's physically weak and she is very happy to see john when they first meet and and come aboard moya but at the same time immediately nothing is right between them because the first thing she says to him is promise me promises promise me you won't shoot him and who does walks out of the shadows but scorpius the arch nemesis that we thought was dead what two episodes ago three episodes ago in uh what was lost Hmm. yeah and the interesting thing about that is sokozu gets called on on him being alive but we'll get to that in a minute because i also have sokozu feelings in this episode <laughs> that kind of bleed into the rest of the season So the episode opens with them finally finding Moya. Right after they find Moya, they're talking to Pilot, and John wants to know all about the wormhole. He wants to know what happened. And Pilot gets really cagey, and he's like, well, we were examined. And John's like, by who? And Pilot's like, people? And then he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't remember. (laughs) And then John's like, well, what happened after? And Pilot's like, 
I don't remember. And John is like, well, and so the whole crew gets really suspicious and they begin to think that maybe the people that stole Moya and Pilot are still on the ship. Mm -hmm. But it turns out the reason Pilot is being so cagey is because Scorpius is on the ship. So John comes down alone. Everybody else stays on low land because the rest are kind of useless with the in a battle and Dargo's the only one that can operate his ship and so John comes down he runs into Aaron they have a very emotional reunion and then Aaron is begging John to promise her that he will not kill him and she keeps saying I pro- you know I promised that we wouldn't hurt him I promised you need to promise me and she extracts this like very lukewarm promise and then out of the shadows comes Scorpius and of course everything is immediately let go because Scorpius is there. What did you do to her? I saved her, yes. She was alone, wounded, adrift in a prowl, in an advanced state of heat delirium. Had I not found her... How did you find her? I was looking. For all of you. Get it through your head, Scorpius. You will never get the wormhole tech from me. I could not use it even if I liked it. I merely want to safeguard it and hope that when the inevitable scattered bloodbath begins, you make the appropriate choices. I'll see you here to be John's protector. How nice. I don't believe it. Kryptonite. Silver bullet. Buffy, what's it going to take to keep you in the gray? Perhaps we should just take your head off. Work for Decker. Good advice, John. So why hesitate? You know what has to be done. Damn it, Harvey, guns are dangerous, man. And there ain't no smoking in my head. You'd be foolish to let him live. I need to know what his plan is. Same as always, survive. To steal what is in here. So why give him a chance? And what would you have me do? Whack him straight away? Without hesitation. So, so Aaron has gone off with Chiana after extracting this promise because she needs to go cool down. Because one of the things about her appearance when they first arrive is she is in a suit that is made by Scorpius, one of his coolant suits, to keep her body temperature down. And Dargo has joined John at this point, and they're confronting Scorpius about why he's really here. Because remember, at the end of season three, they blew up the dude's command carrier to prevent wormholes from falling into his hands. And now he is there professing to protect John from the Scarens and make sure the wormhole information goes and happens and is used appropriately. And it's like, now that he no longer has a command carrier, Scorpius is now, okay, I'm going to go to the source and I'm going to have John Crichton under my thumb in whatever way I can. Now, obviously, Scorpius is at a disadvantage. He's alone. He has no peacekeeper backup. And they all have weapons that are pointed at him. Like, in nearly every single scene that he is in, (laughs) there's a gun pointed at Scorpius. But John has promised Aaron, and he's not going to break his promise to Aaron about Scorpius. And she has promised Scorpius because he saved her life. And there's that trade going on. So we have this tangled knot of the three of them and the crew just right off the bat. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that a not is a really good way to feel about this because on the one hand, no one knows better than Aaron what Scorpius has brought to John Crichton, like the pain and the suffering and the, you know, life endangerment (laughs) that Scorpius (laughs) has brought to John, the crew, Moya, Talon, you know, Talon never would have died if it hadn't been for Scorpius. Well, I mean, Talon was kind of going down a dark road anyway, but, you know. Right, but he sacrificed himself to defeat Scorpius specifically. Yeah, so having her be the one to essentially force John to promise that he won't kill Scorpius, it's kind of an interesting contrast yeah, it is. But at the same time, I feel like it's very in character for Aaron to make a deal with a peacekeeper, mm-hmm. right? You know, she was willing to deal with Kreis in late season one and two and, you know, kind of see his point of view of it because she grew up in that culture, right? She grew up in the culture of the peacekeepers that Scorpius came from. And even though she doesn't agree with his methods or his torture of John specifically or him having the power of wormholes that can destroy, you know, the universe... You know, she has done these kinds of deals in the past. She is so pragmatic that she is willing to trade the immediate safety of her life, which she wants to have, because obviously she let him save her, for giving him asylum aboard Moya so that he can stay safe from Greza while he is safeguarding, I'm making air quotes right now, safeguarding John. It's within her character to do that, even though it does seem like you know, why isn't she on John's side? And that's John's perspective. Why is why aren't you on my side? Yeah. The other point here is that Harvey and John, and they kind of flash to this. I can't quite tell if it's Blues Brothers. I was reading it as Reservoir Dogs. Because I thought of, Reservoir Dogs too. Yeah. Hitmen. I, yeah. It was definitely res, like it had a feel of Reservoir Dogs. They're both wearing sunglasses. They're in those like suits with the you know, the real thin tie and, you know, they're talking about killing people and it immediately flashes to that. And Harvey wants to murder Scorpius, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And we'll kind of come to why later. But at the same time, we've never seen Harvey that that brutal before. And so I think especially towards Scor- Scorpius, you know, mm-hmm. like in the past, he has prevented John from harming Scorpius. That was his whole purpose in season two before he was while the neuroclone was still embedded in John's brain. Like his job was to make sure that he got the wormhole information and John did not kill Scorpius. Mm-hmm. And that kind of diverged in season three. And here we're seeing something else happening. Harvey is fully aligned with keeping John alive and safe from Scorpius. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of this this turn that's happened. Yeah, but you kind of have to wonder why. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was immediately yeah. suspicious of Harvey because usually when John calls upon Harvey, Harvey presents pros and cons. You know, Harvey is his sounding board. Harvey is the, you know, the list that you make of, like, reasons mm-hmm. to kill Scorpius, reasons not to kill Scorpius. And this time, he doesn't even present any of that. He's just like, we got to murder Scorpius. Well, there's this interesting note at the end of that quote where John wants to know what Scorpius's angle is. And Harvey is like, he he wants, to, he's a survivor. And then he has this like hesitation when then he taps John's head and says he wants the wormhole information in your head. And I don't know, there's something about that that makes me feel like Harvey isn't telling the whole story. Yeah. Just that, that hesitation of, is it one or the other? Is it both? But there's something else going on that he's not telling John. There's something in that delivery. See, I kind of felt like it actually was that Scorpius is a survivor. 
because we've mm-hmm. seen that repeatedly. Oh, you know, yeah. That Scorpius is the cockroach that you can't kill, you know? He's <laughs> he was the, shot and buried, and now he's on Moya. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's like the epitome of, of it. Yeah. He's like, there's something about Scorpius where he will do whatever it takes to survive. And we saw that when we, in the episode where we saw his past, where we saw how far he was willing to go, the body modifications he was willing to make, the deals he was willing to cut, the people he was willing to work for in order to survive. And yet at the same time, you can see that Harvey here is trying to manipulate John because he Mm -hmm. knows that John will literally do anything in the galaxy to protect the knowledge of wormholes. And so I think that's why he made that decision was he initially he was telling the truth. He was saying, well, he's here because Scorpius is a survivor and you are his best bet of not being caught by the peacekeepers because you guys have managed to not (laughs) get caught for four years. Yeah. And then he yeah. kind of changes it to something that he knows will will make John turn. So we got a lot of good stuff with, between John and Scorpius and John and Harvey in this episode. And that's one of the themes we bring in. But let's go back for a second to how did Scorpius get out of the situation on Arnesk, right? So Sokozu said he's dead to everybody who was assembled around his execution. And now he's alive. So uh, I want to play the next quote that's kind of you know, how where Sokozu stands in this episode of no one trusting her. Pilot of Moya, these consoles need repairs. Where are the DRDs? Busy elsewhere. Have we been introduced? I am Sokozu Shanu. Command function is our first priority. Send DRDs immediately. Ignore her, Pilot. Hey. Well, that's a new record. You've been on the ship for less than an hour. And you're trying to run it. Nice. Chiana, someone has to. <laughs> that someone is not you. Your cargo. Baggage. You think we forgot you're in the grave with Scorpius? He's alive. You said that he was dead. I thought he was. Mm. They buried him. And then what happened? Watch you dig him up? Hmm? Did you tell him to come here? Hey, listen to me. Are you working with him? Chiana is so cold. You know, calling someone baggage and cargo, that's just like, even for Chiana, that just feels like really harsh. I think it's also necessary, though, because it's as somebody who's like watched this show before, here's this girl that's literally never been on a functioning <laughs> Leviathan before. Like, let's not let's not forget that the first time she was ever on a Leviathan was at the beginning of this season. And that was True. a dying Leviathan. And there she was sitting there throwing temper tantrums because she's like, well, that's <laughs> not supposed to be down there. There's not supposed to be a passageway down there. And John's like, dude, don't you know that like Leviathans are different? And so here she is. She's like, coming in and just being real bossy and then also she at no point told them apparently that the way that where she got that command code was from scorpius mm-hmm. you know no she did she told uh chiana and jewel when they're in the prison no she said it's because they think i know this secret command code she didn't tell them mm. that she got it from scorpius which means oh. that she never told them that scorpius was alive that she knew the shot had not killed him 
Which again, like that was not really a good like, is he dead check because she doesn't like lean down or anything. Yeah. Well, she could also have assumed that he would bleed out or something. But that's also an assumption that you can make as a viewer to to hand wave her response. It's I don't know. I find Sokozu like this episode. We're going to get into it in a few minutes. But I think I will agree that calling somebody baggage is like super harsh. Chi, especially since you came on. as baggage but at the same time Sokozu's loyalties throughout this whole episode are kind of weird like she's thrown her lot in with the Moya crew but she is not acting like it you know what I mean well no and I think that's the point of that Chiana's bringing is that she isn't a member of the crew at all she's just kind of hanging around with them and like I don't necessarily disagree with Chiana's approach here it's just it feels I don't know Chiana's just feeling very aggressive with with the Sukozu, kind of a lot of the same ways that she was very aggressive with Jewel. Mm-hmm. And I think it also shows where Chiana has gone from, as you said, being the extra person who didn't fit in, who is now so integrated that she has the authority to say, like, pilot, ignore this person. You know, you're doing fine. She is the one who has to adapt to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point about Chiana's own growth. And I think it also shows this and a couple other conversations that she has with pilot. I think it really shows that she is taking on the role that Zan used to have in relation mm. to Pilot and Moya. And we yeah. saw that a lot at the end of season three, where she was the one that the crew sent to talk to Moya, you know, mm-hmm. about what they were going to do with Talon's remains. And yeah. here again, we see her as kind of the one that's talking to Pilot. Like the rest of them are like, great, Pilot, it's good to see you. But then like an emergency happens. And she's like really the one that's like talking to Pilot. Yeah. Though I do want to point out that what I love is that her approach is still Chiana, right? She is not replicating what Zan would say or do. She is approaching Pilot and Moya in her own Chiana way, which is really lovely. Yeah. And kind of that, I think that's a little bit what we're seeing there in her overprotectiveness of like, you're yeah. doing fine, Pilot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That same attitude where she's like, Moya, you should do what you want. <laughs> Don't let people boss you around. Uh so yeah. then we get a moment between John and Aaron where she's in this really cold chamber and we kind of get to see again that this is not what John hoped for when he came back. It's not even what Aaron would hope for, had hoped for when he came back. So let's play it. I'm really sorry. For what? For everything. This is not how I pictured coming back. Just fate. As usual, keeping its bargain and scrying us in the fine print. So how'd you catch this cold? Dancing, barefoot in the rain. I can't talk to you about that. Why not? I really want to tell you, but I can't, and we need to leave it at that. What kind of room is this? 
Um, something to do with regulating Moyer's temperature. How'd you find it? Scorpius did. Of course he did. What else does he know that I don't know? Does he know how you got the flu? Did he give it to you? No. I had the symptoms before he found me. You don't know that, Aaron. This is Scorpius we're talking about. He could have engineered the entire thing to get his ticket on the way out. He didn't. And I need you. I want you to believe that. You make it very difficult. Yeah, so it's kind of tense between the two of them in there. <laughs> Things are chilly, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. There's two parts to this conversation, and in both of them, Aaron is asking John to trust her with, like, very little information that she's giving him. And I think that's one of the really tough things, both for the audience and for John, to accept. So on the one hand, you have, like, how did you get the the living death, you know? And she's like, I can't tell you that. I need you to drop it. And he kind of does. And then the next part is, like, is Scorpius involved? And she's like, no, he's not. And I need you to trust me that he's really not and he's not playing a long con on us, you know, and it's I think even as a viewer, that's tough to accept. Yeah, I think the the I'm not going to tell you specifically is really hard, mostly because, like I said, the way that John really shows love and the way that he understands love is through honesty. And I think we really saw that in the Velarek episode from season one, where you know, he went to bat for her, but then in return, he really needed honesty from her. Like, he was like, I love you. I mean, at that point, he wasn't saying I love you, but he was kind of saying I love you. <laughs> he was saying mm-hmm. I love you in a John Crichton way. Um, <laughs> but he was saying, I need from you equal honesty in return. And so here mm-hmm. he's back and he's saying, I love you more than the universe. And she's like, I love you too but I'm not going to be honest with you. Yeah, and not be open. And uh, just quick note, the Velarek was season two. It was oh. beginning of season two. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good correction. Otherwise, our, view- our listeners would tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to point out in this quote is that we kind of have dual promises here also. We have the this promise that she extracted from John early in the episode where she was like, you promise me you're not going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then we have this promise that she at some point had made to somebody else because she's telling John, the reason I can't tell you is because I made a promise. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like, is this promise, you know, more important than us? And she's like, yeah, essentially is how that conversation yeah. feels to me is really like her saying that this promise that she made trumps the relationship that they have and so kind of that contrasts with this promise that she extracted from him about Scorpius because literally the only reason Scorpius is still alive right now is because of that promise yeah I think I see that I see what you're saying and I think I see a little bit something in Aaron's character also going on like she is a woman and a soldier who believes very strongly in honor Mm. and in and encourage and in sticking by your convictions and so i feel like her her refusal to break her promises her promise to the people she was working with that got her in trouble and the promise that she made to scorpius in exchange for her life is as much about like i don't want to discount some of the emotional relationship stuff going on too but at the same time i think there's this kernel of she is a person who wants to be as good as her word 
and she wants to be a person whose word can be trusted. Hmm. So, so I think that is also a character trait that is at play in why she is sticking so hard to her guns about, I'm not going to tell you about this and I'm not going to, I'm going to make you honor your word to me about Scorpius because I made a promise to him. And I don't think it's necessarily like it's a moral thing that's like moral absolute that she believes, but it's also a justification for not telling John things she doesn't feel like she's ready to or want to tell him. Does that make sense? No, that actually makes perfect sense. Because one of the things she talked to Henta about at the end of season three was that, yes, she's no longer a peacekeeper, but she still contains, she still holds in her the elements of peacekeeper of the elements of being a peacekeeper that she finds meaningful. And one of the Mm -hmm. things she lists there is honor and loyalty. Yeah. And so she specifically lists that. So yeah, it totally makes sense to me that like her loyalty to the people that she did, whatever she did with. Right. Is going to trump, you know, this kind of John's just kind of rubbernecky need to know, (laughs) you know, Right. But at the same time, I really like your point about how John sees relationships and, you know, honesty being a core of that. And I think that's something that Aaron is not quite there for yet Mm -hmm. in a way that she needs to be. Because with your partner, yeah, you should be upfront and honest, or at least in my opinion, as being in a relationship that more or less is functional. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, where are the, where are those hierarchy of who you owe the most truth to and when you break those promises to others because it's your partner because they have a confidentiality with you as your partner mm-hmm. kind of kind of thing going on. So I think there's a couple couple things in play and I think John and Aaron are at different places within it with their relationship with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So immediately after this conversation, a ship appears in front of Moya and it is enormous. It is huge. Really, really, really big. So immediately everybody's like, okay, let's starburst away. And Pilot's like, I can't. It's literally right in front of us and it's too big for me to starburst through. So the crew receives a message and it's somebody that says, Aaron soon committed this assassination. I gave her the living death and you need to tell me who paid her to do it. Or I'm going to let her die. Because he has this antidote. And this is one of my favorite tiny little character notes. John and Dargo are on command with Rigel. And they're like, Rigel, you negotiate with him and you get us on there. And I just love that. Because Rigel in earlier seasons was not somebody they let negotiate with other people. And yet here they are saying, you're our negotiator. (laughs) Well, and I think what I love the most about it is that, number one, that's the role he's received. Because at this point, he's negotiated like a lot for them. And he's been really effective at it. You know? But then also, I absolutely adore that he's like, okay, I will negotiate with Ulam, the villain. Mm -hmm. And what do you want? And they're like, well, we want you to get us on board. And then we're going to backstab him and steal the antidote and come back. (laughs) And Rigel is like, that plan is feeble. And they're like, we don't care. It's what we're going to do. And he's like, okay, whatever, dudes. Like, fine. (laughs) Yeah, so John and Dargo go over to the other ship. They are unarmed, and their ship is um, unarmed. I think they go in a transport pod. And Dargo tries to tongue the bad guy, Ulam, once he's speechifying. And, of course, he's a hologram, so they can't do that. And so they're like, look, we don't have 
you know, anything in this game. We will get from Aaron the names of the people if we can. Just go away and leave us alone. I mean, it's kind of that same attitude they had in Lava's of Many Splendor thing when they're like, we don't care about your crimes. <laughs> Just leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, it really does feel like that. And it's good Dargo, John, like camaraderie. So yeah. they go back and Aaron refuses to tell John the names. She mm -hmm. says, I made a promise. I'm not going to break it. And there we kind of go back as like her honor to the people she performed this, you know, assassination with is stronger right now than her need to be saved, essentially. And it yeah. actually is really interesting because she won't even admit that she did it. Like John is yeah. sitting there practically begging her, you know, saying, just tell me he was a bad guy. You know, tell me he killed kittens. And she's like, <laughs> and she won't even admit that she assassinated this guy. Yeah. And it gets to the point where they're on, I didn't, can't remember if it's before or after they, they leave the ship for the first time or the second time, but John and Dargo are on the bad guy's ship, Ulam's ship, and Aaron sends a message to them. And then she's like, you're going to send John and Dargo back and you're not going to tell you the names. And I'm going to ensure that by pointing a gun to my own head and commit suicide. And it's just like... Aaron, what is going through your mind that you would rather do that than than anything else? And it makes me feel like she's in this really dark place, whether it's from the heat delirium or from the secrets she's keeping from John or or what. But she is willing to shoot herself in the head about this. And fortunately, Rigel is there and knocks her out to prevent it. But yeah, it's just it's really dramatic. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think what really gets me about that is I think it's a mix of two things. I think it's partially that she knows she's dying of heat delirium and she knows that she's not going to give up the names. So they're not going to get the antidote. So then she's kind of like, well, I might as well kill myself now because I know John is not going to kill me. You know? Yeah. Aaron's son who's going to get in the prowler and go die off by herself when she had the stabbing of her nerve back in nerve, mm -hmm. you know, in season one. Yeah, I think it's that. And then I also think that it really is just about this promise that she made. And then about the fact that while she was away, she became a person that she wasn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think it goes back to a point I made a while ago, which is that she did to herself what the peacekeepers did to Zalex. Like she turned yeah. herself into an assassin. She was doing these this wet work, essentially, which is not what she was trained to and not what she's mentally prepared to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wonder how much of her keeping the secret is keeping John and the crew safe. Mm. Like if she breaks the secret, what are the consequences for them from the people that she would have whose confidence she would have broken? You know, yeah, would they was it like the mob? Would they come after them? You know, they already have so many people after them that maybe there's a, this feeling of protectiveness that she has towards her own crew and her family that is like, okay, I, I can't put them in that kind of danger. And I wonder if that's an element. We never actually get any any kind of real textual thing to hang that on. But that was one thing I thought of. Yeah. So meanwhile, while all of this is happening, we get an update on Greza and Braca, which is that one of Braca's scientists has developed this missile that it will hit a Leviathan and take out all of the mechanics, but leave all of the biologics alive. And so... Yeah. Yeah, it'll kill the Leviathan, but leave her passengers alive. Yeah. Something like something that. Something like that. And he has two people who are kind of having an argument where one is like, it's too heavy for a prowler. It has to be a marauder. 
that has that takes it. And the other one that's like a marauder would be seen, a prowler will not. So it has to be on a prowler. And his solution isn't that bad where he's just like, he's essentially just like, hey, we'll run some more tests and we'll figure it out. <laughs> will that make the guy who wants it to be on a marauder happy? And he's the captain now. And then Greza is watching all of this. And she's kind of like, I wouldn't say quite like backseat commanding at this point, but she's like, ushers him over to her and and he, and then she's like what the hell was that that's terrible leadership and brock is like this is experimental you know he's trying to explain himself all serious face and then grace is like i don't care just get it done and it's that classic bad guy or even good guy uh demand that you work harder and faster than you actually are capable of doing just because they want the thing done mm -hmm. and it's just kind of ridiculous and it's just you know Braca's not cut out to be captain, kind of what it's showing, at least in Graza's eyes. And I don't know. I feel sorry for poor Braca right here because he's just in over his head. And I think he knows it. Oh, yeah. Because I think if he was just sitting there obeying Graza's commands, then he would be fine. But the problem here is as captain, he technically has to make decisions. And mm -hmm. he's not really good at it. And yeah, it's not like... You know, maybe with the information given, he could have kind of said like, okay, put it on a marauder because then at least we know the payload will get to its destination. Or for that matter, I would have just pulled a Scorpius and been like, strap it to a prowler, fly the prowler around the command carrier and see if it holds up, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of like, I, I don't know. Yeah, this is definitely Bracca kind of being a little more mealy mouthed than yeah. a Scorpius or Greza are. Yeah, but it also shows like his position relative to Greza, where nominally he's the captain in charge, he has to make these decisions, but really Greza is still the one pulling the punches, breathing down his neck, and he can't get away from her. Yeah, yeah. So back on Moya, Sokozu comes to see Scorpius, who she let live. May I talk to you? Please do. Flizoktake! Stasis Command, you speak pilot. Should not even have worked. They're very badly programmed. Faklanodic Vez Plokom. Kresnaskanza? Za. Fredjol Anesk. Vek Plakato Brixa Skeld. Your death would serve no purpose, but your life might. So far, it has not. Could not even prevent your burial, and yet here, they blame me for your prisons. How did you survive? Foresight and preparation. And why did you come here? To safeguard John Crichton. Amongst other things. You do realize that this is a damaged Leviathan? With a fraudulent pilot and a crew of idiots, do you not? They need help. But they are more resourceful than you realize. I just love that exchange. <laughs> so she turns off the DRDs and they have put Scorpius in a what really actually looks like a prison cell down in the bowels of Moya, which is kind of funny considering that, you know, it, Moya was originally a prison ship and they were all just kind of in regular quarters when they were imprisoned on her. Mm -hmm. But they found like a real cell for Scorpius. Anyway, he's locked down there. And so she starts you know she speaks pilot he starts speaking scare and asking if she understands it and then that part that obviously you don't have subtitles to, to hear to see what they were saying you know she asks how you survived and why you didn't kill me 
on uh, on our nest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just this kind of, you know, they're kind of probing each other out, testing each other. And it's just this really different relationship that Scorpius has had with anybody Anybody actually period on the show because mm-hmm. he's very antagonistic with Moya's crew because he started out as their their villain. And then, of course, his relationship with the peacekeepers, like he's been a captain, he's been a commander. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he got, you know, beat over the head by Greza in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. I would actually argue it felt really similar to that relationship he had with, um, I'm forgetting her name, but from Liars, Guns and Money. Oh, um Natira. Natira. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it, a good That's a good point. It kind of felt like that, where it was like two kind of equals feeling each other out. Except in that one, I think that Natira had seen the dangerous side of Scorpius. Like, mm-hmm. Natira had seen what Scorpius could do, which is why she ended up trying to double-cross him. But here, I think that Sokozu is just so naive Do you know what I mean? Like naive is like the best word I can think of for her throughout this whole episode because she's kind of, you know, later on she actually asks, she's like, you guys really have trouble trusting when like Scorpius tells them some (laughs) intel. And it's kind of like, dude, girl, like, you know, nothing about this dude. Like, you know, chill your role. (laughs) I would say maybe a little bit less on the naive side, more like open minded. I don't know if that captures it a little bit a little bit better it's like it's not like she's going in blindingly trusting him Mm -hmm. i guess is the difference but she wants to know more about this person who has this complex relationship with the crew and so she goes to investigate you know and i think she is intrigued by him in a lot of different ways and i think that comes through especially in her facial expressions whenever she is in the same room as scorpius and what's going on with it Mm -hmm. and actually now that you've brought up the you know the trust thing you know there's a moment a little bit later when when john comes down as well and he's arguing with harvey in his head he wants to know what scorpius knows scorpius like offers to get harvey out of his head and sokozu is there and I don't know. This was one of the weirdest parts of the episodes f- for me because Scorpius has like a tool in his toolbox that can remove the neural, mental neural clone that John has. And he's offering it as a way, hey, to say, look, you know, trust me, you know, this clone was who killed Aaron. I'm the one offering to get it out. I saved her. And, and I don't know. It's just this strange little dynamic going on between the three of them down there. Yeah, I will be honest. I do not know why John trusted Scorpius there. I would not trust Scorpius. I would not trust Scorpius to tell me what time it was, (laughs) you know? Seriously. So actually, let's play it because then I also have, I have a lot of feelings about this. So, that's how you survived. She was on your team all along. Untrue. She has just begun to help. How? By sticking another chip in my head. Quite the reverse. This device will take the neural clone from your mind. What clone? John. Officer Swan is in danger. And so is Moya. I can help. Simply clear your mind, and I will help. I saved Officer Swan's life while the clone killed her. Don't listen to him, John. No, John, that is not necessary. 
I'll get back into the dumpster. That's not good enough. Come sit. What? This is a private place. Harv, you don't belong here. I've been your ally, John. I'm your friend. It's time for you to go. And at that point, he has Sokozu take his gun that he'd been holding on to, on that he'd been holding on Scorpius, and Scorpius like tackles him to the to the bed and sticks him with the thing, and and Harvey gets basically executed by gunshot in John's head because they're playing Reservoir Dogs in his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's luckily it skips the actual chair scene in Reservoir Dogs, even though he has <laughs> Harvey sit in a chair, which actually yeah. did make me a little nervous for a moment, but. Yeah, I I think that Harvey made a couple of mistakes throughout this episode, which is the first one is that earlier on when he was trying to prove a point to John, he actually physically moved John again, which is something that we haven't seen in a really long time. I don't think we've seen it since Harvey became Harvey and not the neural clone. And John really freaked out when Harvey moved him because in, Mm -hmm. you know, in in reality, Harvey slammed him up against Moya's walls equal to what's happening in his imagination. And so I think that that was a mistake on Harvey's part because that really put John back in the mindset of this is someone who could take me over at any moment, which is what Scorpius plays off of there when he's saying, I didn't kill Aaron, the clone killed Aaron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's actually another point earlier on that we we skipped over a little bit when John is talking with Aaron in the cold chamber again, mm-hmm. and basically she, he's trying to get the names of the people, and she's like, no, I'm not going to tell you. And he's at the same time as having this conversation in his head with Harvey, who Aaron is dressed in the coolant suit, and in his imagination, and Harvey takes over, and Aaron sits up. And is dressed in like the makeup that Scorpius has. So instead of Aaron just being in the suit, it's Scorpius Aaron in the suit, who is actually Harvey talking to John and and basically saying, you know, I will be with you always and with you in your head or on the ship or in Scorpius and me are always going to be with you. And it's this very visceral, like not just Harvey, but also this takeover of Aaron and her body. And Mm -hmm. is he going to lose? And I think the subconscious fear there is, is he going to lose Aaron to Scorpius, whom she is currently protecting? Yeah. I think there is a lot going on there of kind of this mixing of relationships, because up until now, we've had two very clearly different relationships. You've had John and Aaron, and then you've had John and Scorpius. And then now with Aaron and Scorpius having formed this bond, it kind of like turns it into the swirling John Aaron Scorpius thing. And it's and I think that's really confusing for John and it's really scary for John. Mm-hmm. Um and I also want to point out here like again, I just cannot get over the fact I do not know why he trusts Scorpius to do this to him. It makes no yeah. sense to me and I think maybe yeah. it's just desperation, but at the same time I'm like again, I don't trust Scorpius far enough to throw him, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things that John doesn't really understand why he's doing it either, because as the scene plays on, Sukozu says, like, you have major trust issues going on right here. And John, and 
John says, well, yeah. And then Scorpius reveals that he has a spy with the peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. And that's how he knows because Scorpius has got this information about the Leviathan killing missile that's going on the Graza and Bracca plot line. And John's like, of course you do. Of course you have a spy. Of course you know what's going on. And like, this is why I don't trust you. And he tells Sokozu, this is why I don't trust him, you Mm -hmm. know? So so maybe it's, it's not fully one thing or the other. And maybe John... Like you said, desperation will drive him to do a lot of things, and he's forced to, you know, take into account Scorpius here in some way that he wouldn't mm-hmm. if he could help it. But he also has Harvey in his head, which is something that he does not like. Yeah, yeah. And so that spy for Scorpius is is interesting because, to be honest, you, in the episode, you're not really clear who it is because it could either be Braca. Or the guy that's pushing for the Marauder plan. And you're kind of not clear who it is. You're supposed to think it's the Marauder guy. But I don't know. I'm still not 100% convinced on that. The framing when they go back to the Greza and Bracca plotline from another scene where Brock is like, I'm going to fly the, the missile in the Prowler. So I'll be the one taking on the risk for it being a quote unquote leader. But you see the, the Marauder guy um lurking you know lurking around the corner and he looks very suspicious mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's unclear what's going on there and i since i do remember who the who the spy is i'm just gonna be silent and let you speculate oh yeah hold your tongue because i like literally have no memory of this <laughs> i like I've, i'm like uh i don't know it might be one of them anyway so they end up going back on the ship because sokozu has come up with the information that she thinks that the ship isn't actually that big. She thinks it's a chameleon ship that it just kind of makes itself look like whatever it wants to look like. And so mm-hmm. they've made it look really big, but she's like, I think there's probably no more than four people on board, which right. was kind of backed up because the first time we only ever see the one guy and we see him via hologram. So I'm yeah. like, why didn't you show up with like 800 soldiers? Right, exactly. And I think John even points that out because the guy's like, I'll, you know, board your ship with my army. And John's like, well, why don't you do that then? And kind of calling his bluff. So they go back over and I love this little note because it's like how far John has changed. Like he grabs Chikozu to come with them, with him and Dargo and Aaron to the other ship. Mm -hmm. And he says, we might need a nerd. And it's just kind of hilarious because at the beginning of the show, John was the nerd. He was mm-hmm. the science guy. He's like, let me do science to save us out of this. And now he's like, me and Dargo are the muscle. You're the one with the brain who knows what's going on. And you're going to be part of this plan as the brains. And whereas John is not the brains, he's the fast talker with the gun. Yeah. You know? And it's just this, you know, John's character arc. He's come such a long, long way. And to our credit, you know, Sokozo is kind of the brainy, nerdy you know it all who has uh, got all the inside info on chameleon ships and leviathans and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, she knows what she's doing. So they go on board, they take Aaron with them, and he's Aaron at this point is very is faking that she's very near the point of death. And she's wrapped up in a blanket, yeah, she's, she's on the floor, she's shaking. And so the three soldiers are there and the guy that's technically a hologram and they're like, okay, fix Aaron and then she'll tell you, but she can't tell you right now because she's dying. So they, they fix Aaron 
And he's like, hey, she's not getting better. Do it again. And he's like, no, nah, it only takes once. So now they know she's cured. And so they take out the soldiers. And then Aaron is wandering around and she starts yelling at him. And we learn that she did assassinate the prime Hakavian. And the leader was basically a genocidal, you know, maniac killing lots of his own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that she didn't even get paid for it. That she did it because <laughs> it was the right thing to do. Or at least she says right. she did it because it was right. You know, Aaron, Aaron is somebody who likes causes. Yeah. Like she likes kn- knowing that what she is doing is helping people and is the right thing and is going to be morally upstanding. You know, that's been a theme of hers throughout. Like remember um, PK Tech Girl mm-hmm. when she kind of gives John like her version of the 411 on peacekeepers you know peacekeepers are there to keep the peace and we're there to make sure that societies run properly and you know she sees the peacekeepers noble side Mm -hmm. and it's very rose-colored glasses and it's very you know idealized in her own mind but she definitely has that i need a cause i will fight for a cause going for her yeah yeah that's true that's very Aaron. So they trick the hologram guy into revealing himself. He shoots at Aaron, but she's wearing the body armor that we had in Lava's a Mini Splendored Thing. So then they surprise, (laughs) they take him out. Dargo and Aaron return to Lolan. And then meanwhile, they know the Leviathan seeking missile is too close for them to run away. So then John tells Sokozu to turn the chameleon ship into Moya. Right. As a second Leviathan. And so uh, Braca is getting closer. Scorpius has his spy feeding him information and being like, they're really close. And meanwhile, Sukozu has like, you know, it's kind of like that, that final test. Did you really learn everything you need to learn in Leviathan school to make a image of the Leviathan that has the right biosignatures that will fool the peacekeepers? And so the peacekeepers are checking and they're just like, oh, there's two Leviathans. And then they check again and, oh, one of them's dead because... Pilot and Moya have turned off all of Pilot's systems to make her look dead. And she can, it's like going into, you know, no oxygen to the brain for 30 seconds kind of thing. Except 800 microts from Moya. Um, and so Braca fires the missile at the decoy. And the decoy, of course, is this tiny little ship. And then in that time, they revive Moya with a little bit of a fake out of, oh no, we can't get her back up. But then they get her back up and they starburst away to safety. Yep. It's all very dramatic. It's very, very <laughs> dramatic. And then meanwhile, on the command carrier, Braca tells the, the woman whose job it was, the one who told him which Leviathan to fire at, he tells her, you know, report down to the brig, essentially. And Greza says, I'll take care of the postmortem. And then she tells the woman to report to the Aurora chair, which is like a little unnecessary. I was like, what do you think you're going to get out of this woman? I mean, she's a soldier. She was doing her job. She wasn't thwarting anything. She was just tricked straight up, you know, mm-hmm. as an honest, you know, she fell for the gag, right? You're not, you're not going to get much out of her beyond, I just looked at the readings and the readings said that was the one, you know? It's just yeah. like, that's unnecessary, Greza. Well, and also it's like, again, this is kind of where Greza makes no sense to me because like the whole point of her implanting those stupid glands in her is that then she wouldn't have to use the Aurora chair because she could just get information however, like by sexy times. So I'm kind of like... No reason that wouldn't work on a woman. Yeah. Right. And so the other thing there for me is just kind of like, okay, so I guess you just want her to torture her. But I'm like, why are you torturing her with the Aurora chair? That seems a little much. (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway true anyway 
Um, so we kind of have our last couple scenes on Moya, and one of the first ones is Chiana sitting with Pilot, and it's really touching. It's like goes back to what you're saying about Chiana being the one kind of taking on the caretaking for Pilot role, Pilot and Moya role in this episode, and she's you know she's like we're really happy to see you, and Pilot's like yeah us too, mm-hmm. and and Chiana's like yeah don't listen to Sokozu, don't let anyone tell you what to do, and this is where Pilot makes an observation is like. Everyone tells us what to do all the time. And it's, you know, it's hard. It's frustrating for them. And so uh, he tells her that he and Moya have decided to ask for a captain, for the crew to nominate a captain, which will lead us into the next episode. Mm-hmm. The other is a John Aaron scene that let's, let's take a listen. Hi. Hi. What are you looking at? Nothing in particular. I'd like to stay. I'm sure Moya would be very happy with that. I need to recover. Is there any other reason? I need to help you keep an eye on Scorpius. I'm not gonna hurt him. I gave you my word. Dun, dun. And she doesn't say anything and he walks away. Yeah, it's brutal to watch. Not quite as brutal as when they split up at the end of season three. But, you know, that rift that was created between them when she walked away and didn't tell him that she was pregnant. And now that is the thing that he cannot stop thinking about with good reason. Mm-hmm. And... She's giving him all these reasons, or not reasons, but she's saying all the right things in this conversation of like, Mm -hmm. I want to stay, I want to come back. And John is not giving an inch on it. You know, Mm -hmm. he's like, sure, Moya will be happy to have you back. Sure. Let's see. Do you have any other secrets you need to tell me? No? You're not going to tell me anything about this thing I know about that you're pregnant and that you have not told me about yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little brutal. (laughs) I think... Yeah, I think that what this conversation is for me is it kind of goes back to like him needing honesty and her not being there yet. And we Mm -hmm. find out a lot more why in the next episode, but it really feels to me like, like, like she's trying, but she's not 100% what she wants yet. Like she's Mm -hmm. kind of still in this moment of she knows now that there's one John Crichton and she's kind of let, you know, she's kind of grieved for the other one. And so now she's kind of in this moment, though, of do I want to be in a relationship with John Crichton? Yeah. Yeah. And this is her saying, you know, I know I was the one who left, but now I want to come back. And I, I, you know, her facial expressions are very much of the I want to be with you kind of thing. And it's just, you know, John's like, okay, but 
you still haven't told me this thing mm-hmm. about being pregnant. And because you haven't, that's a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Gonna... A lot of that's still subtext that really plays out next episode. But mm-hmm. this is such a great setup for that. Oh, it's fabulous. It's really good. So in Wardrobe Watch, Aaron has the most amazing flat iron straight hair. It's like <laughs> definitely a change from her hair in the past oh my seasons. Gosh. And it's really long now. It goes down to her waist. And I don't actually like it that much, to yeah. be honest. It's not my favorite. Not your favorite look. Oh, the other no. thing I wanted to point out, you pointed out her hair getting long. And like the timeline for this episode kind of makes you realize that the first four episodes of the season have apparently happened over the course of months. Well, don't forget the time jump at the beginning of the season, though, right? Because it's like some time later. We don't know how many months pass between, you know, John, between John being left when Boya got sucked down the wormhole Mm -hmm. and when we pick up with him again on Elac. Yeah. So I think there's a large time there. Yeah, there's like a large time there. But then there's also the fact that Pilot had time to go back to the grounds and then he went to Arnesk and then he went looking for them. And then also, meanwhile, yeah. Scorpius had time to survive Arnesk, leave Arnesk, find Aaron, help Aaron survive, find Moya in, True. in between, essentially, Lava's a Many Splendid Thing in this episode. Or, I mean, in between, you know, the beginning of Lava's a Many Splendid Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's never clear how long that they've been traveling on Lola, too. And we know that it's been several days since they left Arnesk when Lava happens. And, you know, we don't know how long it is since then because they got supplies. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know how long the supplies last. And they didn't seem to be hurting for supplies when they found Moya. Yeah. So what would you give this episode? I give this episode three, three and a half. You know, I think it's solid. It introduces a lot of good stuff that's going to play out later on through the season. Namely, Aaron is reunited, the pregnancy storyline, Scorpius aboard Moya, Mm -hmm. the... You know, we get a, a brief mention of why he's there. It's all about wormholes. The wormholes are back in play, which they've been actually in play since the first episode in Crichton Kicks when he says, I've figured out wormholes. But that's going to pick up again. And um, I don't know, just like all these threads and you have Braca and Greza. Um, it feels very much like kind of a setup-y episode to me, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but we're we're wrapping up some stuff from season three still. Mm-hmm. And here it's almost like a new jumping off point to what's the rest of the season is going to be. Yeah. I, I feel like this episode feels a lot to me like the episode when the two crews came back together in season three. Fractures. Fractures, yeah. Where we're kind of getting like the Aaron John reunion, but, you know, and then there's also just all the crew interactions of like finally getting back together. I don't know. I wish I could give this one a four because I feel like I want to give it a four. But yeah, I kind of, it does feel like there's there, there, but not like as meaty as I would want. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I feel that. I think part of it also is like the the B plot of the bad guy, Ulam, mm-hmm. and the ship and stuff is like entirely forgettable. Because yeah. I had forgotten it entirely. <laughs> yeah. It's... You know, it's just like that part of it is just like, it's not even a good vehicle. It's, it's not a bad vehicle for plot, but it's not as strong as some of the other plots that carry an episode are. Yeah. Well, and also I think that it's mostly there to immediately reveal what Aaron has been doing. 
when she was off the mm-hmm. ship, which kind of right. felt like a little bit undeserved to me because I'm like, she, essentially, we go from, oh, what did she Mystery. do when she was off the ship to like, she assassinated, like two minutes later, she assassinated people, you know? Yeah. And I think the other feeling of that is at the beginning, she's like, no, I won't tell you what I did. And then at the end of the episode, she tells them what she did while confronting the bad guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, why was this such a big deal if you're going to tell them, at, you know, two days later anyway? Yeah. So there's there's some of that. And I think the other thing that's a little bit just too convenient for this episode is, you know, the whole chameleon ship is how they get away from... Uh, the peacekeeper leviathan seeking missile mm-hmm. so it's just a little bit like oh what if they hadn't run into this guy then they'd be dead you know yeah just it's just a little bit too pat you know sometimes it works and this time it was just a little bit too convenient yeah and we never really got this moment that i think we wanted which is where Sokozu kind of comes into this being like everybody's stupid the ship is broken nobody will listen to me because everybody's a moron i should be in charge and then we never got to have her come up and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which yeah. is something that like they set up her, you know, they set it up by having Scorpius be like, hey, they'll surprise you. And then we didn't even have her kind of being like, oh, that's a good idea. I would never would have thought of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they do all kind of come together for the plan. But again, it's kind of, I don't know. It's it, they don't have a good moment for it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So. So next week, what do we have? We have Natural Election, which is one of my favorite puns <laughs> of Farscape titles. So it's a good one. And uh, you, everyone should watch it and tune in because even if you haven't watched it in a while, it's a really good episode. <laughs> All right. We will see you there with Natural Election. We are Farscape Friday podcast at Gmail, Tumblr, and Dreamwith.com. We are Farscape Friday on Twitter. Feel free to hit us up. Let us know what you thought about Promises. And we will see you next time. Bye.